0: Today, I am joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Owen Meekin. Now, (laughs) I have to give a small disclaimer here because I've talked about Owen on this podcast, like just being truthful um, before, because to be quite honest, the course that he taught me like actually changed my life. Um, And anyone that listens to this pod knows how much I absolutely just fucking adored my narrative design for video games course. Um, so, without further ado, hello Owen. How are hi. you, and what have you been playing lately? Uh,
1: hi Ellie. That was an incredibly generous uh, entrance. <laughs> I think I might hire you when I need to go to soirees and stuff just to bring yeah, me yeah. in. Um, but thank you very much, and for all the kind words, that means a lot. It really does, especially since you were a wonderful student. Uh, um, I have to wh- say that, but thank you. I do have to say that. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, what what am I playing lately? So I have been playing uh, Yakuza: Like a Dragon. I don't know if you know that one. I mean, it literally is like the Yakuza series emulating the Dragon Quest series and then just mashing them together. Which I haven't played
0: any of the Yakuza games. How do you find it?
1: I think they're amazing. I mean, like they're amazing on two different levels. Like they're amazing because they're these kind of like surrealist tangents you know like just full of like weird and wacky stuff they're kind of funny if you've got a really like juvenile sense of humor like I do and (laughs) they're also just like interesting for the fact that they've been around for such a long time I mean I remember seeing one reviewer describing them as the closest thing gamers have to a soap opera you know because it's like just been going and like recurring characters and like characters you've forgotten about from episode one turns back up in episode five and like dun dun dun, you know, all this (laughs) kind of stuff. So when they said that they were making an RPG of that, whereas everyone else was quite skeptical, I was like, oh yeah. You're on board. Oh yeah, that's my bad. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I'm I'm like 20 hours into that. I'm having a great time. And then I am also writing about spirit fair at the moment so I'm kind of playing that but in a slightly less fun way in a more analytical kind of figuring it out how it works way
0: so whenever you're playing games do you like is it a conscious choice to switch between those hats or do you are you kind of always in the analytical realm
1: no I try and leave the analytical hat off as much as I can I try and have a pure experience and to be honest I think I'm pretty good at it but what does happen is you just kind of go oh that's interesting Mm-hmm. and you try and leave it on the shelf you try and leave it there <laughs> sure. but then eventually it kind of like it it just kind of chews at you when you're thinking and you know and then you know you you probably know as well like you're a bore at parties then because you're like has anyone played and you want to have a conversation <laughs> right. where everyone else is talking about mortgages or whatever um so yeah, yeah we're I, the bore
0: j- talking about video games and they're talking about mortgages what an unflattering know. example of general society <laughs>
1: Let me tell you. No, I'm... <laughs> different podcast. Um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I try and leave it aside. I, I, I do, I try, but it's always there, you know. I, I Like, I any game I'm going to write about or talk about, I will play numerous times because I don't think the first time has been an analytical. It's been oh, a pure enjoyment, you know.
0: That is a huge undertaking. I feel like you dedicate, that's a lot of hours. Or do it you like... Can... So for instance, like if you, sorry, that was just brain moment. Um, if you were to play like Final Fantasy VII Remake and yeah. you finished the game, would you play it again start to finish or would you just go back through chapters like it allows you to do after you finish?
1: Oh, I would play it from start to finish. If I was going to write about uh, it, I'd play it from start to finish. Just because I don't believe that individual moments, because I'm a narrative guy, If I was, right. if I was here as a game design guy, I could play an individual moment and like okay. try and like backwards figure out how it gets put together. But as you know, Ellie, like, no narrative moment means anything without the narrative moment either side of it, right? Right. And they don't mean anything without the narrative moment either side of it, blah, 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 blah. Um, So that is, unfortunately, for me, though, I'm, I'm acting like a martyr here. like i'm playing video games oh,
0: damn it i have to play this really good game again yeah
1: exactly yeah. <laughs> and like i've been quite lucky so far in my career that i get to choose what i'm writing about and stuff Ooh, like that Nice. um so you know i did at one point threaten myself to play red dead 2 again and luckily my supervisor was like you're an idiot and i was like oh thank you very <laughs> much Thanks yeah for how, how
0: how long is that game even main story that's long
1: I have no idea. I I can't. I, I I had a guess. I'm gonna say fifty to sixty hours. Like I definitely put a hundred or so hours into my. Yeah, of course, because with like um,
0: RPGs, like open world RPGs, I stand by the idea that like the thing that makes them is their side quests, and so yeah. like because that's the only thing that's different from a streamlined game, and so it has to be the thing that stands out and is incredible. Yeah,
1: yeah. especially for Rockstar games, because like some mm. poor. A man or woman didn't see their kid for seven years, so I am (laughs) going to appreciate that grass that they made, you know? Um, You know, I'm going to do them justice, you know?
0: Yeah, crunch for grass, that is the the general takeaway.
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah.
0: (laughs) So, um, just before we get into more of, like, the meat of narrative design, I'd love to know a little bit more about you. So, when did your gaming life start? Uh,
1: Like, right from the beginning. Like, right, right, right. Like... Uh, my dad's not a big game guy, like he's interested, but he did have an Atari, uh, when I was born, essentially, it was there. So I was literally, uh, game conscious before I was verbal, essentially. (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah, there's like photos of me playing like uh, Paperboy and Spy Hunter and those kind of like Aww. old games and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's always been there and it's just always been something. It, it's a real constant in my life. It really has. Now, you know, I haven't always been the most up to date or something. Like I might have had a NES when everyone else had already moved on to the SNES or whatever. But games were just this constant in my life. I mean, it, it's one of the reasons why I still like prefer to be indoors all the time
0: because like, that's
1: just sure. the comfort place you know so yeah you just so, yeah.
0: yourself
1: yeah exactly yeah 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 absolutely it's the other reason why I have really weak bladder now because I think I <laughs> used up all my bladder powers as a six-year-old playing Sonic you know um but yeah so yeah I've just been playing games uh my whole life and then it's kind of you know it took a long time to realize that it was something i could do um mm-hmm. like i don't know maybe you went through a similar thing but games always seem to th- be this like hallowed ground you know like yeah. you have to, like these like bill gates geniuses who right. you know like to make them or you know just from japan was the other version of japan, <laughs> yeah, <definitely>. you know <laughs> yeah and like so as much as i love them and i you know i think thought about them a lot there was no one really around me to say making games as a thing you know right. or I, especially writing games was a thing i mean I, I definitely presumed that games were made by like two people you know um in a studio especially since you know, even in the early days when you picked up a Nintendo Power magazine, it was like, Shigeru Miyamoto made all your favorite games. And I was just like, oh, right. Yeah. He just (laughs) sat at home by himself. Right. (laughs) You know? Um, Yeah.
0: If I can play it by myself, I can make it by myself for
1: sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. So it you know playing games constantly always there it took a little while to get to computers i wasn't really a, a pc gamer for a long time as a con- really a console kind of person but when i did get there i really kind of made made up for it you know so i'd love a yeah. hot
0: take what is your favorite console
1: oh wow uh yeah. oh, what a, i didn't what a, prepare you for this one no you didn't what an incredibly mean question <laughs> um okay i'm gonna have to do a spread okay Oh um, naturally uh, ju- yeah i'm gonna have I'll to give you spread. three okay okay that's fair so the console that probably defined me was the n64 like okay. that was the one where I was like now it could be the PS2 but I'm actually gonna put the n64 <laughs> down because okay. that that was where obviously Zelda ocarina of time and Majora's mask were okay. and they were games that like my brain exploded when I saw yeah, that sure. like I couldn't believe how quote-unquote detailed they were the fact <laughs> right. that you play it now and the grass is just one single polygon <laughs> yeah. texture but yeah, like i couldn't block. believe it yeah the sun moved across the sky you know i mean mm-hmm. i just couldn't couldn't get around my head so that unbelievable and um, then for art it's the ps2 because that's obviously where you had the famido ueda's uh, where Metal Gear, obviously, it was on PS1, but I think mm-hmm. it kind of came alive on, on the PS2. And then, do you know what? For library, and obviously the Xbox Game Pass is ruining it now, right. but I think the PS4 did really well on its PS4 library. PS4 it did
0: exceptionally well.
1: It did really well on its library. Um, I, I think that that that's going to age the worst, the last thing I just said. <laughs> but considering that I'm not upset that i don't have a ps5 because right. my ps4 is still in commission right. um i think that says a lot you know because i remember the end of eras of other consoles and you'd literally just be like i can't wait it's not even when a console came out because you couldn't afford them when they first came out but right. you're like i can't wait until two birthdays later where i've right. saved up <laughs> like enough credits with my parents to get one right you know? yeah yeah
0: cool so um with all that gaming love just sitting in your heart, how did you eventually turn it into a career? And Um, what actually defines your career? Because I feel like
1: you're patchwork as well. Well, yeah, I mean, like, I suppose basically, Mainly, I'm a games lecturer. I'm yes. a game okay. design lecturer. Um, I have, uh, you know, I've made little bits and pieces in the past, mainly terrible. Um, oh, I have, I have, uh, you know, worked uh, freelance and done bits and pieces like that. But no, no, my, my career is uh, I'm a game lecturer. So that was a weird one, actually, because so I've been talking about how games were a constant in my life. But the other thing that has always been there is writing and narrative, yeah. like just always, always, always like I've always been reading a book or playing a video game. That's just like the only two actions I have. <laughs> um, sure. And so it took a while for the two to fuse together. And actually, they eventually fused together in a really weird way. Okay. Um I was really interested in literature when I was a kid. That's where I thought my writing was going to go. Like, I was pretty certain reading, like, people like Terry Pratchett and Douglas Adams and stuff like that. I was That really makes so that, much sense.
0: That, I feel like yeah. these defined your humor from what I Yeah.
1: Yeah, I suppose they did, right? You know, like, <laughs> cynical and colorful at the same time, I suppose. Like, you know, like, Mickey Mouse punching you in the face or something. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. And then, you know, Ian M. Banks and big sci-fi, Isaac Asimov, Philip K. Dick, all that kind of stuff then as I got a bit older and I think loads of people go through this you go through your edgy film phase you know mm. where you're kind of like judging people for not knowing who Akira Kurosawa is and stuff like that you know so then I was like super interested in film and that was like a big 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 passion of mine for a long time games is still there but the writing kind of shifted over so I did my right. BA in English literature but then mm. I did my MA in film screenwriting oh, cool. and what happened there is I was there to learn how to be a screenwriter, something that I did for a little while, a year or two afterwards. But what I bumped into in my MA was theory. And right. like the, the, the behind, it was literally like waking up in the Matrix or waking up from the Matrix. That's probably the phrase, um, <laughs> you know, and like seeing the world for what it really is and yeah. seeing the kind of like machines in the background. That's yeah. the only way I can display it. And that sounds like so over dramatic and dated at the same time. But I don't think so. Yeah, okay. And that's what it was like. I mean, like I just started, I, I had a really good lecturer who did uh, my film theory stuff. But of course, it's not just film theory, is it? Like it's cultural theory and it's like art theory and stuff like that. Yeah. And so yeah. even though I came out of the MA still a bit dazed and like, no, 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 no screenwriting is what I wanted to do. I was just like oh my god I love reading about this theory stuff I love understanding how it's all happening because it's like a, a good hard mix between learning loads of craft details like mm. actual carpentry kind of of the craft and then also learning like the wild philosophy like the stuff that barely makes sense as you're saying it <laughs> cool. and so then I was certain I had to do a PhD And when I started taking that idea seriously, I realized that it had to be video games. It just had to be. As much as it was films that gave me the awakening, it wasn't films that I cared about to talk about in that way. Um, So I was just like, this kind of has to be it. And I was very lucky. um, I got into a PhD program pretty quickly um, after I'd made the decision. And from there, it's kind of normal that you do a little bit of lecturing uh, here and there. Um, I did it turns out I was pretty good at it. Um, I did a little bit of conference talk turned out I was okay at that as well. And so really my career kind of snowballed quite quickly. So, you know, I had been kind of making little games in the background and stuff. So I had that knowledge. I had that I'm not good, but I had that kind of like how to work in game engines, how to do that. So I already had that knowledge. Um, but I think the theory is something that Ireland is missing um, mm. at the moment. We don't have a lot of that stuff. It's, it's building up quickly, which is great. Like Trinity's opening a new program and, you know, things like that. Um, uh, you know, uh, the university in Cork has a digital humanities program and stuff like that. So it is mm. happening now, but I think I just hit the ground at the right moment and had sure. the right knowledge at the right moment as well. You know, like it takes a very particular personality to sit down and just, like, take video games as seriously as I do, you know? Right, right. Um, and, like, you know, we're a weird bunch, like, you know? So, <laughs> it, it, yeah, so that's it. Yeah, that's it. I, I don't know if that was that interesting, but, you know. No, that's very pretty. interesting.
0: And I – so have you finished your PhD then? Are you – No,
1: uh, okay. I'm a, kind of in the last year. No. Oh, um, my God. So, wow, yeah, congratulations. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So it's, it yeah I mean it's been it's been in some ways it's flown in you know um but I mean for me it's been a little bit slower because uh the lecturing took off uh so quickly um and so obviously I had to kind of take that very very seriously yeah um and but uh i think i've I think I've found my feet now I think I'm you know kind of working away and I've got the rhythm and stuff like that you know
0: that's so, so cool what is your like what's your thesis
1: mm. So it is narrative design. Is um, it like, uh, honed
0: in on something, or is it the general yeah? Idea?
1: So it's it's the um, the way that we learn or the way we accumulate knowledge as a narrative arc. So uh, you know, I kind of refer to narrative as an epistemic journey. So you're learning okay. over time, and so a lot of people have struggled to kind of really articulate like what is narrative in a video game because. Mm let's say you're playing something like the witcher three and you go off and do side quests and then you do a little bit of the main quest but nothing really happens blah 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 so what's actually happening um is it a narrative arc maybe maybe not but what is certainly happening is that you are learning more about the world and that's the one thing that makes you and the player character the same at the same time that Geralt is learning something or Alo- Aloy in Horizon Zero Dawn I know you're a fan uh, at the same time that they're learning something you're learning something as well right. it might not always be the same thing because for example you might be learning oh wow Aloy is really good at this she already knew that mm. but she's learning something else and you're learning you know so it's cool it's, it, it's an really cool. interesting uh paradigm i would say i
0: feel like it'd be so easy to get like wrapped up in the meta of that concept <laughs> like yeah. i feel like it'd be so easy to get lost in the large concept and the nitty-gritty
1: yeah, I yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, that's the problem with academics because, like, yes. you present that work to people and they go, their first questions are, What is a game? And you go, Oh, no. <laughs> and then they go, And what is knowledge? And you go, Ah. Oh. <laughs> 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 um, uh, so there's a lot of semantics involved and stuff like that. But uh, again, just referring to my own personality, I'm actually into it. Uh, yeah, sure. a Bit of a, gl- a glutton for punishment. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's
0: why I've always felt most at home in academia as well. So that's why I mm. think like this brain, like pursuing narrative design really brings the academic shift that I want whenever I'm yeah. doing literally anything. Um, yeah. No. So that totally makes sense. But I do wonder since, cause I didn't realize that you were a PhD candidate. Like I didn't know that mm. that's what you were doing, which is so cool. Um, but I want to know if you'll stay in the realm of academia for the foreseeable future or do you think you'd ever like work at a studio to create narrative design
1: yeah i mean so like yeah academia is where i'm at home and it's where i i'm in love what i definitely do like to think or fantasize about is probably a better thing is that at some point maybe when the PhD's done or uh, when i've uh you know pushed a few other things out of the way that there would be time to work on more substantial projects Mm. and whether more
0: substantial
1: than a PhD that's hilarious no 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 no. (laughs) I mean like because like I'm always making like little silly games that I can make over like a couple of weekends or whatever or Mm -hmm. you know I I, I worked with you on twine and stuff like that and you know I love those things and I'm not trying to diminish them at all but at the same time trying to find the time to make a proper proper game whatever the hell that means um I'd love that I'd love that but no I I think my heart belongs to academia mm. um not just because that's the way I like to think about games but also because you know like studio works tough uh, you know it, 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 it's a tough gig and that's even presuming you get one of the dream gigs where you get to work on something right that you work on I mean like the stuff I have worked on that isn't my own work has been like uh you know league of legends style uh, games and like that's the gig you know Mm -hmm. do you like those games is irrelevant you know exactly yeah love them um and you know and you might have pressure being like well this is marketable and you know blah 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 i mean we are about to talk about disco elysium so anti-capitalism probably isn't off the table (laughs) but i won't weigh it down now um But, you know, so like, there's, there's a lot of stuff that goes into studio work. And I I don't think it's stuff that should always be seen as bad. But it is like something you have to know that you're into and that you're ready to do.
0: That's totally fair. No, because as soon as I asked the question, I thought about like, you know, if the general idea of this is what you love so much then just creating a game for a studio isn't going to necessarily tick that box because you have to create what they're going to create like you're not in the room that decides what you're creating you just have to be the one that implements it and so I definitely understand wanting to be on the outside doing your freelance ideals or just for fun yeah
1: exactly and like you know all my favorite studios are my favorite studios because they've got incredible riders and I'd be very intimidated if I had to be in the room with super (laughs) giant games or something like, you know, just kind of sitting there with my hat in my hand, like, you know, um, that's the other nice thing. It's nice to be able to indulge in games, uh, you know, from the outside. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of like, I'm a vagrant. I'm kind of half in half out and that's nice. Right. Right. You know,
0: fair enough. Um, so, okay. Taking all of that and just maybe, partially dialing it back for a second or watering it down, maybe. What is the simplest way that you would define narrative design for someone that is still listening to this and is just like, what the hell does that mean?
1: Um, So, I mean, it is disputed by people. So this isn't, yeah, this isn't like, you know, this is the, but essentially narrative design is building your game so that collectively through its art, through its mechanics, through its text as well uh that it comes together to be a narrative art. what i think separates narrative design from like say a lot of people obviously call it you know game writing or something mm-hmm. like that but i what i see is that game writing is going to be text focused whereas what i see as narrative design is a kind of more macro view where you're designing a game that might not have any text and okay. so like journey Must have been narrative designed, you know, or think about the way something like, I don't know, uh, something like Undertale tells its story explicitly through the mechanic. You know, there's no there's no real dialogue choices in a Mass Effect kind of a way. Mm. What there is, is the way you play the game uh, becomes the two different choices. So for me, and this is all just from my perspective, that's an element of narrative design. Yeah. rather than writing. But where narrative design comes in is where you look at everything that games can do, like everything, like visuals and stuff like that, and going like, how do I imbue that with meaning? Or how mm-hmm. do I make meaning out of it? Yeah. Um, and you know, from being in the classes, I, I, I'm much more theme and meaning focused mm-hmm. than I am like clever kind of pithy statements or whatever. Yeah, um, sure. Because those are those are a skill as well, but they are also like isolated things that don't uh, come together to mean something a bit bigger. So yeah, yeah, that would be my general definition.
0: Yeah. A much more holistic view of the journey.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I would say that. Yeah.
0: Cool. So let's talk about Disco Elysium.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's talk about it.
0: (laughs) Okay. So just fair warning to anyone that has or hasn't played it. I, made a mistake in looking at how long to beat and it said twenty hours on there, which is absolute madness. I'm at like twenty six and I think I'm probably about halfway through. Like wow. And it's because it's because I just and this is this is the thing that I got so excited about with narrative design mm-hmm. is that like there are so many choices and you can yeah. experience them all. And so yeah. like I can't I can't not listen to a cryptozoologist tell me everything they know about Phasmids. Like I can't yeah. not find out what a person had to write you know and yeah. so I found like I'm very deeply in love with this game but the issue I'm having at the moment is probably um the pacing how certain objectives are specific to certain days I mm. think that's really limiting because sometimes like if you fail a check it's just like well good fucking luck like go sit on a bench for six hours like yeah. I don't I don't like how the objectives are tied to certain days but at the same time in over an investigation it makes sense yeah. um so i can see both sides but what was like what was your experience with it because you've played it to completion already but, I yeah, guess it's but some time.
1: yeah it's been a little bit of time but i mean like definitely the the vibe has stuck with me a lot i mean <laughs> it, 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 I, it, look I, I, let's go in with two feet. like i think it's probably one of the greatest games ever made you know <gasps> that makes um, it feel so good okay continue yeah no i absolutely do um, yeah, I, I, I mean, from the first second you play it and I, I'm a big fan of the games that, you know, inspired it, like Planescape Torment and games like that, you know, like kind of old D20 games and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but the modernizations that they did with it, narratively, how they made dice rolls make sense. Yeah. How they reimagined the amnesiac hero, which is like such a trope. such a lazy trope in some cases (laughs) and yet somehow they just elevated it it's like someone handing you you know like a a slice of tomato and then you eat it and it's just like the greatest thing you've ever had in your life right how did you do that you know um and in just in terms of an overall package it is like it's both concise and just like so full of madness at the same time you know absolutely Um, and i think like obviously the writing has just been commended left right and center and absolutely should be but i mean just things like the design of the text box you know the way it's all on the right and you know that was inspired by twitter feeds and the way our eyes scan twitter and stuff like that yeah and it just like really shows that like this isn't just a smart game because someone sat around and like Scratch their chin for a while this is a smart game because someone was interested in every facet of its design mm. I mean I think it's important to say for anyone who hasn't played it like it isn't for everyone no. and I think some people confuse this is amazing with everyone will like it which is right. a really you know weird thing to conflate very with people different do. yeah <laughs> yeah but I think like if you care about things like narrative if you care about things like Questions of life, because like it is just a philosophy. It's a big
0: existential crisis. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I know, (laughs) and that's. I think that's why I related to it. The idea that so the central character is an amnesia, as I've said, but the one thing he seems to have left is his existential dread, and I think that that's just incredible. Yeah,
0: that that's the one thing you're left with for sure. And I I remember (laughs) when because when you start the game as well, um, the first thing that happens is just a black screen and uh one of the voices talks to you and it's just it makes because my partner and I played at the same time and Mm. um whenever he started we had very different ideas of what the beginning of it meant which already Mm. that's such a cool starting point but it felt like it was just this 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 being was now entering the void kind of thing and I was yeah. like, so this is just like something just needed to latch onto a lifeless body. And that was my impression of it. Like at the start, I'm still kind of holding true to that because it looks like he tried to kill himself and that's where we're starting.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
0: um, so like, there's just, I'm, I'm so delighted by something that just opens up all of the doors as soon as you're starting the game.
1: Yeah. But like the, the force that you're talking about is you. And right. that's what's, that's what's genius because like, obviously the thing that we worry about in games well we i say like people who like want to push games forward is like games for a long time have been these kind of like entitlement simulators that's Ooh. not my phrase like that's a phrase you'll hear bandied around so it's like a, you pick up a controller so you can do what you want i want right. to do this and like i'm just going to push people around and, you know, and, you know, you might be playing like a Bioware game and it's like, these are all my mates. They're going to follow me to the end of the earth. It doesn't matter, kind of thing. But when you play Disco Elysium, it purposely puts you in the impish uh, uh, an entitled position, which is a cop, right? right? So you're playing a cop, you're entitled, people are going to have to listen to you. You can say mad stuff. Yeah. And, you know, like, get away with it. Right. But at the same time, there's so much... In a conflict mm. that there's so much space to move around, there's so much space to make choices. I mean, there is so much space in the game. Like, I don't want to jump ahead, but like, you know, I have politics. Uh, I don't know if we'll go into them, but like, <laughs> like the game offended me the most by offering me the, uh, the the best centrist that ever was as yeah. an award.
0: Yeah, because
1: I was trying to please everyone, right? And the game is able to offer you enough choices to do that but has enough of a spine to bite back you know so you can play that game as a complete fascist like actual fascist like you know a voice will be like oh so you're a fascist then we'll like ask you the question yeah and you can be like yeah i am yeah Uh, cool (laughs)
0: Um, (laughs) yeah love that for me yeah
1: (laughs) yeah yeah exactly yeah hoopla (laughs) Um, but the game does still manage to, like, express that that's not okay. It yeah. still manages to express that there's, like, something, like, dark and gone off. And, like, mm-hmm. the whole world feels like that. The whole world feels like a rotten apple core, right? Yeah,
0: it's so, so dark. And um, I think it's so interesting that you bring that up because one one of the things, like, I... So I've just come to the realization recently, and I think it was... It was off the back of taking this course where i was like mm. someone has to write the bad narrative like someone has to be a part of making like what a bad guy's experience would be like going through any given game and i was like i never role play i'm gonna and i was like you know what disco Elysium will be my game to role play and i couldn't do it like i was trying to make him like um and you know forgive this generalization but was trying to make him just like the average man that just does not know what to say ever yeah, yeah, yeah. um and so like not full-blown fascist but like the yeah. one step above it where it's just like constantly foot in mouth and not even realizing it
1: because yeah,
0: yeah. The, the world has been easier to to him yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i was trying to do it and then i got an award for being the goodest cop i was like Are yeah you yeah Fucking kidding me i was but, like, like i was mad but it's like it's just it's it's because when you get those kind of like you know those titles placed yeah. on you, uh, yeah. based off of the actions that you've given that haven't been great, it yeah. if, it feels like that's even a larger commentary on you know cop culture and yeah. and everything. And so it's just I like that the game is constantly operating. It's like three D chess, like it's just yeah. constantly operating on so many different levels and yeah. and forcing you to like kind of realign yourself in the way that you think about like society and it's like repercussions it's just oh
1: yeah so good no you're you're absolutely right and like even the game is aware that like a good cop is an oxymoron in most cases you know so even that's something and Mm -hmm. like i think you know like there's so much good stuff like the way you have to uh digest ideas if you want to get the points off of them you know that kind of thing um so in the game instead of just like uh you do get xp through like playing through the game and stuff but instead of like just uh choosing your skills you have to invest in an Mm -hmm. in a thought and like that thought can be can range from like nothing matters nihilism or to like critical race theory it was
0: advanced race theory that's what they called it because it's a (laughs) fully racist version of it and i have a story about it um yeah so, Advanced Race Theory, I swear, we'll circle back to your point, but I just have to talk yeah. about this. So, my character, I chose the sensitive build. Um, and yeah. so, one of the journeys through this game that I think has also been really, really amazing is that, yes, you have huge deficiencies in your, your like, skill tree. Um, and your gut inclination in the beginning is to be like, oh, I have to take those ones and twos and threes and make them higher. Yeah, Whereas, yeah. like... Now that I'm, I'm mostly, well, not mostly. I'm like halfway, three quarters of the way through the game. It's just like this isn't what being a person is. Like you have to take your skills and you have to highlight them yourself. So like you have to mm. invest in the ones that you're already good at to get the creative yeah. route around things. And there was a white check, which means for anyone that hasn't played it, a check that you can do again and again, depending on whenever you get like skill points. Um, yeah. And I needed to pass this white check to progress the story like it was I had done everything else I could before it and I just my character just could not pass this check it just I couldn't do anything to pass it and so one of the options was to wait until like super super late in the evening and time is very difficult to pass in this game so that didn't seem like a viable option or go to the advanced race theory man learn his ideology let that simmer in my brain and then convince him to let me pass and i hated and loved the that i had to be like that like quote unquote resourceful like i hated that i had to do the ugly thing to progress and i just at the same time when that happened i was like that was fucking brilliant but they made yeah. me do the thing that i Did not want to do you know because like kim is with me and kim is my asian lieutenant and i didn't want to be like hey here's this race theory i'm subscribing to you know
1: yeah yeah and that's the thing because like they also are saying something about like knowledge and thought which is it's just a stack of concepts Mm -hmm. you know and like give me another game that has tried to express that you know and has expressed it so eloquently where it feels like a system But it feels like a system that makes sense. Yeah, and like that's something that I think Disco Elysium and a couple of a handful of other like really good indie games are kind of teaching people, which is that for a long time we tried to hide the game. You know, we tried Mm. to find a way to make things like naturalistic or whatever. And it's just like, well, look, how about games find ways to represent real things, but in a game like way? And I think Disco Elysium, like again the uh, you know you talk about how frustrating it was failing that white check but what is great about that game is how many failures lead to progression as well you know like you can fail something and the world keeps turning or you can fail something and the failure is actually more like has a better commentary on the world than anything (laughs) I mean one of my favorite moments in the entire game was just hugging that woman outside the bookshop do you remember have you tried that or do you remember I haven't
0: gotten to do that
1: Okay, or I, haven't. So I didn't cause... talk
0: to her for long enough because Kim was like, we have something important to be doing. And I was
1: like, okay, <laughs> bye. <laughs> that is what Kim does a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was there talking to her and like I was trying to play a good guy and I now know, thank you, Disco Elysium, that my good guy is just a centrist kind of like trying to please everyone, yeah. therefore not really doing any good in the world. Yeah. So I appreciate that. Um, but I was playing it and the this thought comes in Harry's head, uh, Harry being the character that you're playing, um, that this woman looks like she needs a hug. And like he gets, that's the other great thing. He's an unreliable character. He gets loads of bad uh, bad ideas. Just because he thought that doesn't mean that you should do it. Yeah, right. So he hugs her. She kind of awkwardly just lets it happen, but it's clear she's uncomfortable. Mm. And Harry's like, no, I need to keep hugging her. And I was like, okay, I am gonna go. I am gonna go with this. And I was like totally ready for him to get done for like assault or something. Because he's that kind of guy. Like I'm like, I'm gonna see this one through. And eventually the background fades to black. And it's just you and this woman just in the void.
0: That's so beautiful.
1: Fades back in and she goes, Thank you so much. And that's it. That's the end of the scene. That made me
0: emotional. That's beautiful.
1: And that that's it. That's exactly it. And I was just like, that's all through dice rolls in this game. But what dice rolls can be made to represent is our bad ideas, our inability to make things. And again, to return to the entitlement simulator thing, it is silly sometimes sometimes it works, sometimes it's silly, that like I can just walk into a camp and talk to the leader and go, yeah. Hey, all your ideas are wrong and he goes, actually fair point. Yes. I'll move on now. <laughs> See you later. You know, like there are good examples of that for like New Vegas, but there's also really bad ones as well. Right. But I think Disco Elysium always makes them make sense because the dice rolls are the chance of convincing someone Mm. or the chance of not, you know?
0: Yeah. I I recently had a really, really beautiful moment uh, as well where I was just like, I didn't expect that to be the the outcome obviously. And I just walked into someone's house. I was just like, I thought it was like a store or something, I don't know, but I just walked into someone's house and there was a little girl sitting on a bed and she was playing with her stuffed animal, which is called Lanny. Um And I was just talking to her, but like, I talked to her how I talk to children in real life where you just talk to okay. them like people, you know, like, yeah. and, yeah. um, and she was talking about her stuffed animal and I made like a joke or something and she just like held out the stuffed animal and I had the option to be like, oh, and like to step away or to lean into it. And when I leaned into it, it healed my morale like
1: Amazing.
0: it was just one of those sweet Amazing. moments where it was like I just connected with a human and felt yeah. something genuine from that and I was yeah. like oh my god like that was such a beautiful thing that you could have totally not done like yeah. completely and, not and to done. think
1: that came from a little UI thing bubbling up saying it healed your morale
0: yeah like, that's
1: that's the the weird scary alchemy that is video games totally. you know a little UI flourish, and you're like, <laughs> I feel like a better human being. Like yeah. what, what is with that? It's crazy, isn't it?
0: Oh, it's so and, amazing.
1: Yeah, and that's what I love. And I, I think that it has introduced a lot of people to philosophy. They might not even have known what they're hitting. Right. But like H- Harry will ask just like incredible questions. Mm-hmm. And he's asking them from a place of innocence. Like he's a yeah. blank slate, but at the same time when people have to answer him, like when you meet, is it Joyce who hangs out on the boat? Yes,
0: um,
1: yeah. Yeah. And you know, he actually at one point says to her, what is this? And then just spreads his hands. And she's like, I
0: don't know. Like, I'm <laughs> yeah. just bureaucratic. I don't <laughs> Yeah.
1: <laughs> but she tries to answer and like that, that I think is something really important that kind of newer games are doing. Which is like accepting that all a lot of us have our personal answers, mm-hmm. and they're not wrong, but they're also not right. It's something else. It's something weirder than that. And I think that that's what Disco Elysium. Like Disco Elysium is a weird game, mm-hmm. but like in the best possible way. Like it's yes. not weird in like a Nightmare Before Christmas hoodie way. <laughs> no, it's, it's very like palatable. Yeah, it is. I I think so. Anyway, I know a lot of people are like you're just reading the whole time.
0: Yes, it is an interactive book, but given our backgrounds, that's obviously something we're going to be into. (laughs) Yeah. But I will say, like, one of the things that I really admire about this is because, like, I mean, just I mean, of the nature of the pandemic that we just came out of. You know, if you didn't know, Mm. we had one of those. and you know being locked inside and just forcing yourself to like like there's a tendency towards existential dread anyway. so the idea of playing a game that's like hating philosophy and it's like let's get into the meta of your brain and let's find the nitty-gritty and the ugly and make you freak out about it and Mm -hmm. but one of the great things that the game does is like the moments of breath that you get like there is always a juxtaposition which is what makes that the philosophical moment so powerful like one of the first things that i did which because like i just if it's a white check it doesn't matter how low on the percentage of me succeeding i will try it the first time and um there was in the beginning i was panicking when talking to the the like hostile lobby manager Gart. oh yeah um i was and i had a moment of like fight or flight, legitimately fight or flight, and I panicked, but it didn't tell me what the leave option would look like. And so my character, like Harry, just literally bolted, like just, it wasn't a calm walk away from the situation. He just took off and he ran into a pinball machine and hit a woman in a wheelchair. And it, but it started this beautiful relationship with me and Lena, who's this woman in the wheelchair. who was like, oh, sweetie, are you okay? And And I was just like, how? did this game just blow my mind within like 10 minutes of playing it
1: (laughs) yeah I know I know and that but that's the thing it's like it's packed full of so many moments Mm -hmm. you know and I think that one of the many things that it does well is that you are building your character out of those little stories and obviously that's what all stories do but I think particularly in this case they feel so personal I've struggled Mm -hmm. to go back to Disco Elysium because my first run through is canon in my head. Yeah, sure. You know, like that's what happened. Like I didn't save scum once for anything. I just kind of like believed that this exactly, and that's the other great thing about Harry because he's such a mess uh we haven't mm, mentioned but like the reason he's an amnesiac is because he drank his memories away right right he was on like a week-long bender and woke up and everything's gone yeah or at least drugs too (laughs) yeah lots of drugs as well which you have to withdraw him from over the course of the and uh, you see
0: his dialogue change as well as like the longer he's away from drugs and alcohol too which i think has been such like a really 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 cool progression because it's so subtle and it's only yeah. like for a person like me who's trying to keep the analytical hat on because i'm so new to it and i'm looking yeah. into all of these text options and i'm like he's changing like he's yeah, he's yeah, actually yeah. learning and taking things in which is oh so fucking cool
1: yeah yeah it's amazing and helped along by the fact that you have like the upright uh, kim kitsurugi kitsurugi isn't it kisaragi
0: mm-hmm.
1: kisaragi sorry he's um, perfection he is I one of the greatest men. I mean, he's got a, he's got a couple of cop attitudes, but it's not his fault. He yeah. believes in the system. That's not his fault. It's yeah. fine. Uh, but the bestest person, you know, yes. I, I mean, like him. he ha- literally has a halo in his, uh, artwork. Yeah. You know, no, he's, so, he's you know.
0: perfect. I do love Kim yeah. so much. And I also, yeah. it's, it's the kind of thing, like I think having Kim with you the entire time, not only because he is just incredibly useful, but it, it, it changes you from playing a complete fascist or, or mm. always choosing the most outlandish option because mm. without him saying like anything, you still feel like you need to impress him and you want yeah. his approval. Like, yeah. I can't tell you how badly I want Kim's approval. <laughs> and every time <laughs> that I do something and it's like Kim's opinion of you has lowered like severely, and I'm like, God yeah. damn it. Like, should I just do it again? But like, I haven't, I haven't done any safe scrubbing, but, um, No, I think there's something so clever about his participation in it.
1: Well, he's he's very decent to you. He kind of like... like Unreasonably so. Yeah, I said he believes in the system and I think that actually extends to you being another cop as well. He's like, Mm. okay, this guy's clearly going through some stuff right you know um i don't know if you got to the scene where uh you find the car submerged under the water
0: i haven't gone back with kim yet but i found it myself and i was okay. like beside myself
1: yeah yeah, so yes. beautifully done i don't know if it will work the same way for you then but if you have kim with you it, it, it's quite a moment you know yeah, um bet. he he's he's very kind <laughs> you know and it kind of reminds you i don't know i mean like you know, obviously I've never lost my memories, but there's someone who has been so hung over that they have literally felt like glass. You kind of get behind it. You know, it's a really good device. It's a really good device. That's so Um, powerful. Yeah. And it kind of covers up the cop thing as well, because Mm -hmm. you know, that is in the modern era, that is a, a more slightly more troubling position than it would have been like back in the day.
0: I do want to know just even more, like going back a bit more generally, um, So this game obviously really hit home with you in terms of narrative Mm -hmm. design. Like it is a masterpiece in that regard. Uh, What was the, like the first game that made you have an aha moment of like, this is what narrative design is.
1: Mm. Um, Oh, it would have to be shadow of the Colossus. I knew it. I Uh, knew it. Okay. Explain that for,
0: for actually me again. And, uh, (laughs) and people.
1: Have you played it?
0: I've, I've watched a lot of it. I just, and I know like I know the premise of the game and because of what it is and how like just how much time you spend in solitude taking down Mm. these beasts that obviously don't deserve it like I can't make myself play it but it looks so beautiful and I'm sure I will play it someday Um, yeah
1: ah, no it's it's absolutely incredible like it's it's very meditative and stuff like that Mm -hmm. Uh, for those don't know uh, it's from uh famido who made eco first and then shadow of the colossus and then uh, the last guardian right. so that's the you know the tr- trico the trilogy of mm-hmm. the eco games people say um they are loosely connected but very 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 loosely you don't need I feel to like mostly an art
0: style they're connected yeah because <laughs> it's so the beautiful style. the way that this, it's all done
1: and it's very specific yeah yeah it is very specific. and they all also are about things like perseverance and loneliness. Mm. Um he's also a huge fan of architecture, and that mm. really shows up uh, in his games. yeah, um like but essentially what he does with his games is he was one of the early, certainly you've got to remember that this is pre indie. So he was one of the only people making games that you could like buy easily that wasn't new grounds or whatever that was like making games as art mm-hmm. and that didn't mean trying to make art uh like make his game act like art which a lot of people were trying to do obviously we can talk about oh that studio who eventually made heavy rain and those kind of guys right and they were just <laughs> like if my game's like a film then it's good right and right. that's not the answer but for me no, ueda was like I'm gonna make a game that is art by being a game, by not compromising its gameness, and that's the thing that he does. So, like, he very often has no dialogue in his games because he just doesn't really think he needs it. And mm-hmm. um, he uses minimalism a lot, and gameplay is 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 the narrative. So right. the thing that you're doing at any time. Um, so, like, if that's in Eco, uh, if he wants you to have a bond with another character, then of course you need to hold hands with them. So to, to, Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. to, to proceed through the levels, uh, which was also a very clever way to get around bad AI uh, back <laughs> in the day as well, if you just have to pull them along. Right. Um, and then you have something like The Last Guardian, which is essentially only a boss rush game. Like, you're just mm-hmm. fighting different bosses. But first of all, the spectacle of fighting them, because they're just, like, so big... I think that would have been enough for this game to be a classic. Yeah. But then, Familiar Ueda put so much kind of empathy and kind of like melancholy in it. At and the same you, time, you mean
0: Shadow of Colossus, right? You said Last Guardian. Sorry. There. Okay.
1: Sorry, I meant I actually could be talking about Last Guardian, but I, I was didn't um, I wasn't
0: mean, sure because yeah. I, I didn't I didn't know as much about Last Guardian, but that sounded yeah, exactly like no. Colossus.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I was talking about Shadow of Colossus. so okay. Apologies. Um. Yeah. So I think that there's just I don't know, I, I, like, in terms of I mean, to go back to the other question of narrative design, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's, that's what Shadow of Colossus does, you know, right. there is a story, it has been debated about for years since, because people want to know exactly what happened. Right. But that's not the point. The point right. is that people do bad things bad things for good reasons Mm. for example uh it's the fact that things that look monstrous aren't always monsters Mm. etc etc um you know and it's those kind of big universals um that we get stuck with Uh, universals that disco elysium challenges but nonetheless uh universals that worked really well at the time so yeah i mean shadow colossus is game one for like the most profound experience i have you know well
0: Um, I would love to as well, uh, touch on what you would think might be like the antithesis of narrative design because I, and this is specific in mind because I know you and I share an opinion about Hideo Kojima. Um, Mm -hmm. and I just, I've been told that I'm wrong and a lot of people feel that they can say that because my thing is late to the game and I haven't played everything and it's like, okay, but still he's pretentious. Um, but I would like, I... I don't know if this okay. game has ever. Can been I hailed. jump
1: in here? Yes, go ahead. And you want me to say that Death Stranding is one of the worst games of all time?
0: No, that actually wasn't. I was actually leaning okay. more towards Metal Gear, but I don't know if that's ever um, been hailed as like narrative design. Um, yeah. I feel like it maybe is because he was like revolutionizing the industry. Yeah. But I <laughs> that. I don't know which, I think it was Metal Gear like one or two or something, so it was very early that I had yeah. seen gameplay. I haven't played it myself, but I did watch an entire playthrough because I was like, people say this person is really important, but yeah. I don't have access to playing this. Um the everything about it is so convenient and like befuddling and sexist. And I yeah. just hate everything that, I, that has stood for. And since then I've had like this thing against me like hideo kojima feels like a thorn in my side <laughs> which i probably wow. shouldn't say but it just i no, hate how fine. sexist and just gross everything was that was in yeah her.
1: yeah and yeah
0: it's just so convenient so there's that field of flowers or whatever and then at the end oh credits,
1: so the boss.
0: The, boss the boss that's what it is yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. So um, at the end, there's all these reveals of being like, oh, but this person triple crossed that person, and then they yeah. did this and this, and everyone was like so smart, but like no one better than Solid Snake, and I was like, oh yeah. god, I hate all of this. Um, but that's my brief rant on him. Yeah. I would love your take.
1: Um, I I think all of your all of your opinions are correct, <laughs> but I also don't agree. Uh, <laughs> Tell me. So. No, so I I, I think you know is problematic, which is a very modern way of putting it. Indeed. Um. So I I I think that when he was working in collaboration with people, he he has come up with some really brilliant stuff. Mm-hmm. I actually think the first three Metal Gear games are like incredibly important to the history of video games. Like, I agree. Just so yeah. so important in terms of like people realizing where the boundaries were. And something that has been really important to the indie revolution has been meta game. And sure. I don't mean that, you know, I mean that in the sense of games looking in on themselves right. and like kind of pulling themselves apart.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that is super important. I mean, like anyone who's played Metal Gear Solid 1, you know, the Psychomantis fight is like drilled into their head. Right. Uh, things like uh, I remember playing Metal Gear Solid 2. And I got a phone call because I was playing it on my birthday and they phoned me up and they're like, we heard it's your birthday. And, you know, things like this, right? Yeah. Incredible, just little... I suppose Easter eggs would be a kind of diminutive way to talk about that. But a lot of clever design and stuff in there.
0: Totally, I think
1: that the, the issue comes where you are watching Hideo Kojima smile and nod at you and Mm. wink at you i think that's when things get pretty ropey you know Mm. like it goes from being like oh wow this is a cool commentary on itself to which i think you're implying is this is a guy kind of jacking himself off kind of thing Mm. literally in some cases i think Uh Uh, he's he's definitely got a problem with women there's no two ways there's no two ways about it like he yeah. just has, you know, even when he has tried to write, uh, good female characters, like there are Metal Gear Solid 3. I like the boss okay. and I like, uh, the other characters that appear in it. No, to have, be like, fair, Ooh. she's
0: all right. She's just like strong. Yeah. I feel like she's pretty one note yeah. in, in certain yeah. ways. I mean, the reveal of like who she is to him yeah. is like important, but yeah. But there's like, so I, I many that... others that don't make up for it, you know, like yeah. these, the good moments and everything. Like I respect what they've done for the industry, but it's the same yeah. way that I respect Wagner, despite the fact that he was, you know, like a yeah. fascist.
1: So, yeah, yeah, but,
0: yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean?
1: I do. I mean, if you want a really bad time, play police notes. If you like that's a that you'll have a really tough time. So it's basically a visual novel, which should be cool. Cause it's a, uh, uh, what was that Mel Gibson film called? Lethal Weapon okay. in space. That's basically the entire <laughs> Uh okay. It is Lethal Weapon in space. Um, but inexplicably, uh, you can just grope any woman who's on screen. Good lord! Just any of them. Oh yeah, just any woman who's on screen, and that it doesn't affect the story. It doesn't affect the way people treat you. Stop. It's just a feature oh my of God. the game. That's
0: <laughs> yeah. horrific.
1: Yeah, yeah. That is like the would...
0: pinnacle of the problem. Like that's. I know. Ooh, okay.
1: Yeah, so it definitely got better before it got <laughs> before it got worse. <laughs> I mean, the only thing that I will say uh, in his slight defense is mm-hmm. he's pretty into the male body as well. He's pretty into the male okay. body. Especially so it's fine because in... he
0: objectifies and sexualizes everyone.
1: Everyone, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure that game is around the corner where he sexualizes animals as well. So then we'll oh all God. be in together, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I, I don't know. It's complicated, isn't it? Mm. I, I think the problem, the other problem with Kojima is the auteur thing. Like, okay. he's in the public eye as a genius. Yeah. And that's 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 not true. In he just gets design. to run
0: away with anything now. It's gotten out of hand. Yeah. Like, death rating is proof of that.
1: I was about to say I, I'm sorry for throwing you under the bus but it is actually my opinion that <laughs> I mean
0: is. I I second it don't worry
1: yeah I, it is I I think it's absolute trash that's my <laughs> hot take for the day I like I love if people love us that's cool I'm happy for you I am actually genuinely happy for you because it's a game I bought and like I am jealous that you managed to have a good time right but I
0: how much time did you give it, it?
1: too much i'd say 15 to 20 hours <laughs> that's a long
0: time so you're probably like what like the first 16th of the story
1: <laughs> well that's the thing loads of people said like oh if you just pushed through to the 30th hour you would have had a great time and it's just like no no I'm like no there are indie games that give me an entire emotional experience in two hours yes now. profound you know ideas that i never even thought about you know uh i'm thinking of a short hike or super liminal okay you i haven't played that no. ago? Uh, it's amazing if you like portal and things like that okay um really good game but, um, you know, two hours in out, wow, um oh, the world looks different. It's like finding a new colour or something. Mm. And then you play Death Stranding and it just makes you want to stop playing video games and, like, <laughs> go work in an office somewhere, you know?
0: I'm sure so many people are going to be, like, up in arms. They're going to be like, what if Death uh, Stranding was amazing?
1: Yeah, and, like, again, if you did, I am jealous. Yeah, I am jealous <laughs> if you enjoyed it. So this is all just bitterness talking. Please hire me, Hideo Kojima. please. Yeah. Or just hire Hire proper writer. Right.
0: Maybe don't make your cutscenes 45 minutes long. Perhaps that could be taken down. Yeah. The just audacity. Like, the audacity. Yeah,
1: maybe, maybe that's all it is. Just edit. Just
0: <laughs> yes. edit. That is what I say about so many creative geniuses is that they just needed no. a good editor in their room. You
1: know? Yeah, and I like, and I'm the kind of person who likes those films that like linger on a shot for like 15 minutes, and like, <laughs> you know, I'm one of those people who go, oh, mm-hmm. Mwah, you know, <laughs> yeah. of course, yeah, oh, that was genius. <laughs> Yet there's something about what Hideo Kojima was doing in Death Stranding that just made me want to knock my head against the wall. I tried, I yeah. tried, and even worse is that I will probably still buy his next game as well. Of course, because, because
0: it's 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 like boy cried wolf in reverse. Like, where there's been so many good things for you that, like, you just trust it. That's what CDPR is doing right now. That's why they're like, okay, we need to put out another Witcher right now.
1: (laughs) Wow. How did they burn so much goodwill in such a short amount of time?
0: Uh, Money grabbing always will do it. We can go back to anti-capitalism, if you like. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because that's always, that's absolutely what it was. It wasn't a game development problem. It wasn't because the, you know, like, community whatever the marketing team like pipe like pumped it up too much it was fully because they were like oh you're not done we're still putting it out that's fine yeah, <laughs> people will love no. it and it's like oh this is shit." like Witcher 3 stands as one of the best games ever and the same studio put out that I
1: it's know it's amazing isn't it like and they could have just if they just made it a bit better they could have carried on with that goodwill but like mm-hmm. they're, they've they're actually like one of the most hated studios now mm-hmm. which that's not fair everyone's most hated studio should be ubisoft but you know
0: (laughs) wait hang on (laughs) okay just brief because i actually did put in for a bit of time for owen's hot takes um (laughs) would love would love to have some hot takes on ubisoft now
1: Uh, ah um they're just they're just well okay first of all I don't like uh copy and paste style game, oh, well, development, do which obviously like they're not the worst for that. Like EA with the FIFA series and right. stuff like that. Like that, that's not great. Not great. You know? Right. Um, but then my main grievance is that they seem to have a pretty unpleasant working environment. Yeah. Like that. I heard that I'm sure too. you heard about the, mm. uh, you know, a lot of uh, sexual assault cases and mm. those people just get kind of like quietly put to the side, but they're still making millions off of like, Assassin's Creed whatever is going on next um you know and I I I think that I I think that they Ubisoft has really trained the kind of capital G gamers Mm. uh to just like like a particular type of meal just like over and over and over again and I know that they tried to innovate with like Assassin's Creed origins and odyssey and i haven't played the viking one uh, did you valhalla, give it a go? Uh, okay yeah. so
0: fun story um yeah so my partner will often be on here and what he was talking about for probably the first like six episodes that he was in he was talking about how much he hated valhalla yeah <laughs> and just how like it was just a never-ending saga it was again one of those instances where it's just like just because we can create open world doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that we have to we really could invest in some editors or if this is the edited version my god what was it before um yeah so have you played any of the ac games
1: yeah 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 i would have been a fan for a while and then it was just a a worse version of the same game for a long time Mm. and then everyone told me like oh no wow they really found their footing again with origins and obviously that's what i I heard too and uh nope nope (laughs) they haven't (laughs) um like yeah it's it's definitely better than it was you know mm-hmm. but like the rpg elements have just been put in there so they can do like microtransactions and yes. stuff um and also the kind of like dialogue it's cool that they're trying to give me dialogue choices but the dialogue is like the most stilted kind of yes. dialogue I, like it, it's like the worst moments of Mass Effect 1. Like, if people (laughs) can remember what that was. I love the Mass Effect series, but, like, they took a while to find their feet with the voice actors and stuff. Mm. And uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey feels that way the whole time. It feels like... uh, It actually feels like a computer wrote a lot of the dialogue. Really? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, like, it's so stiff. It's like, hello, I need you to gather my sheep, you know? Or I need you to gather insert item number four two zero you know it literally feels like that sometimes um so you know again there's a studio who used up my goodwill it certainly sure. doesn't seem like they've used up people's goodwill people mm. still seem to love ubisoft um which would be fine like you know people enjoy what they enjoy but it obviously is a problem when you couple that with uh it the fact that they seem to be like a pretty evil company like you know um they seem to be like pretty dark i mean you know most companies are pretty dark but we know the darkness there like obviously rockstar have like crunch and stuff like that and you know there's a big debate like we were joking about the grass earlier but like i'm pretty sure that's like mainly a true story you know (laughs) what i mean but like you know there's 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 still a scale i think between like oh people shouldn't work that hard they should unionize so that they have a better time and then what ubisoft has done to co-workers in the past which is just like completely 100 illegal and there's mm. like no wiggle wiggle room there and then on top of it they make bad games how dare they you
0: know? <laughs> well for a positive spin on that before we close out insomniac games that just came out with ratchet and clank mm. um yeah they apparently like they had employees that have come out and said that they had absolutely zero crunch time in the entire thing and that it was like a healthy good environment and, th- and right. this game is being hailed right now for being just yeah. like remarkable so yeah. it's possible game studios yeah. can be better you know it's just it's just fucking Luke. planning you know
1: <laughs> yeah that's exactly the thing and that's that's where crunch becomes an issue like I actually like as someone who you know is passionate about games mm-hmm. there will be times in your life where you might need to crunch sure. or might not need to but might want to like sure we want to hit that, that Christmas yeah, yeah we want to hit Christmas that's what we want to do and I think that the dialogue being like crunch equals bad mm. is a little bit naive like it's mainly good but it's a little bit naive right but what is happening in mega studios is that they are relying on crunch like crunch is built into the plan right and that is not okay never okay at any point because that's someone who's paid five times what you're paid as a QA person or as a low-level programmer paid five times more than you they have decided on day zero of the project that you're going home at 10 o'clock every Mm -hmm. night like that that's yeah to to just
0: decide from the get-go that you don't have enough time is obviously an issue you know
1: yeah (laughs) Yeah, exactly yeah
0: (laughs) it's just like, no, we could just be doing better. There's something that we could be doing more efficiently or cutting things out, you know, like people's lives are ultimately always going to be more important than what is produced, you know?
1: Yeah. But not to some people, you know, I'm reading a very unhealthy.
0: But on that slightly solemn note, uh, (laughs) um, we're, we're going to call it an end to this podcast and I'd love to know, Owen, if you've got anything like any projects or papers or articles or whatever, if you have anything you'd like to promote,
1: yeah i mean like yeah I, I i'm not a very internet guy which okay. is funny that is considering funny. that i i do this stuff but i do have a paper coming out at the end of this month on game studies cool so if anyone heard me talking about any of that academic nonsense and re- managed to remain interested welcome <laughs> to you um so game studies should just be a website that should just be on your radar anyway cool. um if you like that stuff so yeah, game Uh My paper is on senua Sacrifice, so you'll you'll see that knocking around there. Um, I, I have started releasing, like, games that I've made to the public again. Cool. I, I I I down a lot of stuff because I was embarrassed. Because no. it was embarrassing stuff. I know it was. It was, like, bad, like, Final Fantasy V impressions and stuff like that. But anyway, <laughs> that was a younger man. Um, <laughs> So uh, I make those under the name Owen Lonely. Uh, you can get, catch me on Twitter at Owen Lonely. Okay. And, uh, you know, I try and keep the kind of academia and the game separate, but, the, you know, the,
0: Google Inevitably has collide, us. yeah. Yeah,
1: Google has us. You know, what can we do? Like So, yeah, <laughs> so that's me. I mean, check that stuff out if you like. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, thanks so much for having me. Eddie.
0: You are so, so welcome. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on and we'll, I'll definitely have you back for sure. Um, anytime Perfect. that I have a narrative itch, I'll be like, oh, what? um,
1: Yeah, yeah. Or if you just want to complain about capitalism. That too. We can do that as well. Yeah, we just yeah.
0: all in one, you know, tick all the boxes. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah.
0: But that is it for us today for late to the game episode and if you want to stay up to date with all things late to the game you can head to redelliegamer.com that is r-e-d-e-l-l-i-e-g-m-r dot com and that's where you can find my blogs and videos and podcasts and everything else and we will see you next time so thank you everyone bye
1: bye guys bye awesome was that okay that was great yeah
0: yeah i loved that Chiff re-